Everybody's doing all right today? Staying dry? Have to work at it today. Glad you're here today, especially if you are visiting with us. We are nearing the end of our study on building great families. We have today's lesson and then one more, and we'll finish that study. And then we'll begin after that a study of the church. Those, um, those fundamental type lessons are... Um, not only beneficial, uh, but, um, but necessary, as we always try to keep ourselves grounded and firmly planted on uh, the truths of God's Word, and uh, study of the church is always a good thing, and so that's what we're going to do uh, for the next quarter. But first, let's finish up our family study. Today, we're going to talk about worship, helping to build great families. And we'll do that after we uh, approach our Father in prayer. So let's do that now. Holy Father, we thank you for the blessings that we uh, enjoy each day. We're thankful, Father, for uh, the rain that uh, we have received. We're thankful that the, the drought conditions in our state are uh, are being alleviated. And we pray, Father, that you would uh, continue to bless us uh, according to your will in that regard. And uh, we pray, Father, that we would always remember uh, that you are the source of these blessings. And we thank you for the spiritual blessings we have, for our, our salvation that we have in Christ. And we're thankful for the church and thankful for our families. And we pray for uh, your blessing to be with us as we study today. And we pray that as we uh, assemble together in a little while uh, to worship as a body, that our worship would be pleasing to you, acceptable in your sight. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. You can't read the, the Psalms without coming to realize that uh, David, who wrote so many of them, was one who loved to worship God. So you find passages like Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. David called on others in the Psalms to serve the Lord with gladness. Psalm 100, verse 2. So worship is, a, uh, worship is an activity uh, that... Um, certainly would have you know, several motivations uh, and, and emotions associated with it, but one of them needs to be joy. Uh, one of them needs to be gladness, happiness, uh, as uh, you know, an, an, an outflowing of uh, the gladness that we have because of uh, God's place in our lives. But some who meet for worship uh, week after week... Um, may not share David's sentiment about that. Uh, some, um, you know, it may be that there are some folks that the only reason that they are present for worship periods is for no other reason than they're just afraid they'll be lost if they don't. Uh, 
Well, I think our worship ought to have more motivation to it than just that. Uh, we certainly want to please God, and we want to avoid punishment for, cer- for, for certain. But if that's the only reason why we're assembling, then our worship is probably not very joy-filled, because it's not joy that has brought us uh, to the place of worship. And so some don't share the sentiment of David that I was glad when they said to me. Some uh, attend and don't participate uh, in, in, in worship. Uh, some participate but uh, look bored and uninvolved. And, uh, and all of those things are, are things that... Um, you know, on, on the grand scale, they shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be that way. But the reality is that sometimes it is in the lives of some folks. And when it is, now that's, a, that's a great time to step back and reassess, just in general. Uh, and uh, reassess our own lives, our own relationship with God and where that is and, and what, may be, uh, you know, what may be amiss. Uh, that would <clears throat> that would make a, an individual not want to assemble with fellow Christians to offer praise and worship to God. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about worship and some of the aspects of it, and obviously in in concert with our our theme and our class, uh, how these how worship can help our families. And so we'll do that here momentarily. But first, let's establish the importance of worship. Uh, this is material that, that I suspect will not be new <laughs> to many of us, but it's important nonetheless to remind ourselves of these truths. Proper worship is directed to God, right? We worship God. John 4, verse 24, They that worship Him, God is spirit, they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit, And in truth, God is deserving of our praise. Psalm 18, verse 3. uh, He is worthy to be praised. God's worthy to be praised and worshipped because of uh, who He is and certainly because of what what He does. And God is the one who is uh, the audience, if you will, in our worship. Uh, We are participants, right? And so we, as, as the participants, are offering our praise, our worship to God, because He is worthy. Now, having said that and established that, let's make sure we understand this as well about worship in general, that while worship is directed to God, we don't worship God because God needs our worship. God doesn't need anything that we offer to Him. We don't offer to God our worship because there is something about His nature or His essence, His being, that is lacking or unfulfilled that our worship somehow completes. God is complete in Himself. Uh, Do you remember in Acts chapter 17? Look there right quickly. Acts chapter 17, Paul's on Mars Hill in Athens. And, um, you know, he's been through the city and he's, he's, he's seen all of these idols that, uh, that these people are worshiping, these altars and stuff that they have erected in the city. 
and he saw one that said to the unknown God, and he said, that's the one I want to tell you about. I want to tell you about the God you don't know. And so he begins to do that. But notice what he says about God in uh, Acts 17, verse 24. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all life and breath and all things. God is the source of everything. And so since God is the source of everything, since it all belongs to him and he gives to everyone, whatever they have, life, breath, and all things, then God's not missing something that my worship supplies to Him. Okay, So that's why Paul says, God's not worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything. God doesn't need anything. So our worship is God-directed and God-centered, but it's not God-centered because God needs to be worshipped. Who benefits from worship? We do. We are the ones who need worship. We don't need to worship ourselves. We don't need to worship each other. We need to worship God. But when we worship God, we benefit from that. Alright? So our worship is not because God needs it. We worship because we need it. Alright, let's look at some passages that, that illustrate that. Uh, while we're in Acts 17, let's, let's continue reading. Right? So he says in verse 25, God's not worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything. Because He gives to all life, breath, and all things. And He, God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He's not far from, each, from any one of us. So Paul says, all right, God doesn't need anything because He's the giver of everything. And God's the one responsible for having created from one all the nations that dwell on the face of the earth. Right? So Paul's taking them back to the creation. God created Adam. And from Adam, eventually, all of the nations that exist on the face of the earth now exist. Right? God created from one all the nations that dwell on the face of the earth. He's determined their, their boundaries and their dwellings for what purpose? Why did God create every person that now exists as a result of His original creation. Why did God do that? Verse 27 says, so that they should seek Him. That's why we need to worship. Is because that's what we were created to do. God created us, created all the nations, so that they should seek God. We were created to seek God. This is expressed in, in other ways, 1 Peter 4, verse 11, that in all things God may be glorified. We often talk about our purpose in life being to glorify God. That's right. 
We glorify God. We magnify God. We seek God. All of that is an, an, an encompassing... Uh, it's encompassing terminology to refer to the reason why we live. To worship God in the beauty of holiness and to give Him the glory due His name. Psalm 29, verse 2. We realize our purpose for our existence when we worship. Think about that. You ever thought about or, or made the statement or heard somebody else make the statement, you know what, I, was, I think I was just born to blank, whatever. You know, I was born to, I don't know, what, fish, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, I was born to God. A lot of times you'll hear, uh, you'll hear sports figures talk about the sport that they're good at, you know, they've been blessed with, uh, you know, um, Abilities and stuff. I guess I was just born to be a golfer. I was born to be a baseball player. I was born to be this. I was born to be that. I understand what people mean by that. Uh, you know that they're that they're recognizing the fact that they have some natural talents and abilities that that they uh, are suited for and all of that. I get that. But if you want to go take that statement and and use it literally, in a literal sense, what was I born to do? I was born to do the same thing that every person in the history of history has been born to do, to seek God. Yes, ma'am. They worship. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Heidi makes a great point that it is a part of human nature to worship. It, it's a part of who we are. I don't think there has been a culture uh, that has ever been discovered wherever it has existed on the planet that was not worshiping. But as Heidi correctly pointed out, they may be worshiping the wrong thing. They may be worshiping a tree or a head of lettuce or you know or something. You know they may be worshiping uh, an object, but there is a but there is an innate sense within each one of us that there is something or someone above us. There there is a higher power to which we owe something. Right? It's inherent within all of us. Matter of fact, if you want to hold your place there in Acts 17, uh, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, is it? Yes, verse 11. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Solomon's writing about the things that God has created. Right, The first part of that chapter we're familiar with. You know, There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time for this, a time for that. Ecclesiastes 3.11, He has made everything beautiful in its time, and also He has put eternity in their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. You know, Solomon's expressing his exasperation there in not being able to understand everything that God's doing in the world. 
But he says, look, God's made everything beautiful or appropriate in its time, and He's put eternity in our hearts. God forms the spirit of man within Him. Zechariah 12, verse 1. Every human being has a spirit that animates their body. And God's placed eternity within our hearts. He created us to seek Him. Right? All of that's a part of our nature. And so we, when we worship God, we are in that worship fulfilling our ultimate purpose. We find our ultimate fulfillment for who we are when we are worshiping God. Because that's why God created us. To seek Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him in this life by choice so that we'll have opportunity to do it in the next life for all eternity. Alright? That's why worship is so important. It's not just something arbitrary that God has said, alright, do this because I said so. Now, if that were all that God had said, that would be sufficient, right? Because God's God. But that's not all God has told us about that. God has told us we worship because that's what we were created to do. That's who we are. And that's where we find our ultimate fulfillment. I think I've used the example before uh, about in making a similar point about um, uh, using tools for things that they're not designed to do. My daddy worked with his hands uh, quite a lot. Um, uh, he was a uh, shop foreman for a lot of years for Cabell's Dairy in Dallas. Uh, it was kind of a local, uh, local dairy there in that area, and he, he kept all their delivery trucks uh, you know, up and running. So he, you know, he, he did a lot of mechanic work. He was a carpenter. You know, he could build practically anything. So he did a lot of work with his hands. And so there were a lot of tools around uh, our, our home growing up. And um, there were times when either me or my brothers would get caught <laughs> using a tool for something that it was not designed to do. And Daddy didn't care for that. And, 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 he, you know, and he let us know that. Right, that that you know, a crescent wrench is not a hammer. Okay, if you need if you need to bang on something, get a hammer. Don't use a wrench to do that. A flathead screwdriver is not uh, a chisel. Right? If you need a chisel, get a chisel. Don't 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 mess up my screwdrivers by using them for a chisel. And his point was was exactly that. If you take a tool and you use it for something that it was not designed to do, there's a chance you could ruin it. Right? You're going to break it, you're going to ruin it somehow, and it's not going to be useful for the purpose for which it was created. I think there's a good lesson in that for us. We were created to seek God. So what happens when people use their lives, their existence, in ways that not only are not in the direction of God, but or in the completely opposite direction. In other words, what if what if people what what about people who never in their lives find the value of worship? I would say those people are number one misusing their own existence, and number two, they're setting themselves up 
to ruin that existence by not giving God His proper place in their lives. They're using a tool, a blessing, for something that God did not intend for it to be used for. Does that make sense? You and I were created to seek God. And so we, we are fulfilling our purpose like in, in doing no other thing than we are when we worship God. Alright? So, that's why it's important. Now, having said all of that, would you not then agree that for our families, for the sake of our families and the strength of our families, that worship ought to be a vital part of our family lives? Well, to ask that's to answer it, right? It should be for the good of our families because that's why God created us as individuals and we as individuals uh, fulfill our roles and our purposes when we worship God and certainly when we do that together as a family, we're continuing to fulfill that purpose. Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25 is usually the, uh, the classic text uh, that we that we use when we talk about the importance of worship, and it is right. I, I mean, I think there. I actually think there are other passages that are stronger than that one, uh, like Acts 17, for example. This is why you were created was to worship. But Acts, 10, I mean, Hebrews 10 uh, does exhort us with regard to worship, and so it's it's a good passage to use in that regard. Hebrews 10:24 and 25. Let us consider one another, how to provoke unto love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you, I personally lean in the direction that when the writer there says, when he speaks about exhorting one another, I don't necessarily think he's saying there to exhort one another to come to the assembly. I think he's talking about the exhortation that we are to receive in the assembly. The attendance, the attendance is is assumed. Okay? He's talking about being one when you will get right. So, so the actual assembling is assumed in that. And when we are there, we need to be encouraging each other uh, to faithful Christian service. Now, obviously, it's not wrong to exhort one somebody to come to the assembly. It's not what I'm saying. I just think the emphasis in Hebrews 10 is exhortation in the assembly, not necessarily to it. But you can't be exhorted in it if you're not at it. Right? So it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Now here's another one. Look at 1 Corinthians 11. <clears throat> we'll get to the blessings of worshiping together here momentarily. But I wanted to lay this groundwork. 1 Corinthians 11. In, in portions of 1 Corinthians 10, and then a major part of chapter 11, Paul addresses some problems, some issues that, that the church there was having with the Lord's Supper. And, um, uh, and so he goes back in chapter 11 and takes them back to the beginning when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, reminds them of what it's about, uh, reminds them of the importance of it. Verse 27, whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself. So let him eat. All right. So he's telling them the importance of you know if you 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 can eat and drink judgment to yourself. Some translations damnation to yourself if you misuse and abuse this very important uh, expression of worship. 
But look at verse 30. For this reason. For what reason? Well, because of your abuse of the Lord's Supper, which is he'd been talking about for two chapters. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or are dead is, is the idea. I think that's probably spiritual reference there. Spiritual illness, spiritual sickness, spiritual weakness. But think about that for a moment. Paul, he's just gone through and said, look, you're abusing the Lord's Supper, you're misusing it, you're not, you're, you're not following the Lord's um, example in it, you've forgotten its purpose, and, and you've, you've corrupted it, all of that. And he says, and it's because of that that a lot of you are weak, sick, and some of you are spiritually dead because of your abuse of the Lord's Supper. That was one of the key causes for their, their poor spiritual condition. So what does the opposite of that mean? If they were weak and spiritually sick as a result of their abuse of the Lord's Supper, would that not also imply that there is strength and spiritual health to be gained when one properly worships as he should. I think that's clearly the implication. You've misused and abused this item of worship, and as a result of that, you're weak and sick, and some of you are spiritually dead. So clean that up, right? Put the proper focus and emphasis on worship that you should, and you will in turn receive strength and spiritual health. Worship is good for us, in other words. Why? Well, because that's what we were created for. You use a tool for its purpose, you will accomplish more than trying to use a tool for something it was not designed to do. You want success in life as God defines that? Then worship better be a vitally important part of your existence because that's what you were created for. And if you don't have time for worship, then it's about time you reassess where you are spiritually. Because that's what your life is for. That's why God made you, to seek Him. And if worship's not important to you here and now, you need to find out why and address those issues. Because if it's not something that, that you recognize the benefits from here, why would I think, if that's the case with me, why would I think that I would be offered an eternity of it? when this life's over. So worship, worship is important because it fulfills us. It's who we are. You know, there are people that... that um, some people get it, some people don't, and some people are on their way to getting it. Let me give you an example. There was a, um, uh, there was a couple that, that became members of, of the congregation in Odessa, Texas, when I preached there years ago. And uh, after we had studied with that, you know, they, they started, they, they, they just kind of came out of the blue uh, one Sunday, and they visited for, for a while, and we uh, studied with them, and, and uh, the husband and wife both obeyed the gospel, and, and uh, one of their teenage daughters at the time did at the same time, and all that. So they, they became a, a part of us. 
And in, uh, in visiting with them at some point later, they talked about kind of where they were before they came to where we were. And they said, you know, we knew that there was something missing in our lives. We weren't sure what it was exactly, but we knew that, that we weren't fulfilled. And we knew that God wasn't really much a part of our lives at that time. And we thought, you know what, maybe that's what we're missing. Maybe we need God. And so they decided, all right, let's, let's go find him. And so they started reading their Bibles on their own. And then they decided they were going to uh, try to find a church to be a part of. And so they started visiting churches. Uh, and they went to uh, different denominational uh, groups, diff you know, different uh, you know, belief systems and all that. And they said, you know, we'd, we'd go to this one and we'd, we'd visit there for a couple of weeks and we'd both just kind of say, you know what, that's not it. It's not it. That's not, you know, I mean, that's not what we're reading about here. So let's go somewhere else. And so they went somewhere else. And they, you know, they'd visit two or three times. And that's not it. Well, lo and behold, they ended up where we were. And they said, and this may sound surprising to some of you, it may not if you had, have had a similar experience. They said, when we came to y'all's Bible class the, first, the very first time, they said, we were blown away because y'all actually studied the Bible in your Bible class. And I kind of, you know, I, I, I kind of thought that was, you know, I, I kind of smiled and chuckled a little bit. But they said, you know what, that's not, that's not what's going on in these other places, at least the ones that, that we visited. They just sat around and visited about stuff. And, you know, we came here, y'all opened up the Bible, you read from it, you studied it, and we thought, okay, this might be what we're looking for. And they said, the more we, we stayed and studied and saw what you, the more we saw it right in our own Bibles. And, they, and, and ultimately they said, we found it. And there may be some of you that, that kind of had a similar experience. But my point is, here was a couple that admitted, you know what, we're missing something. We're missing something. We're missing God. And so, we, and so there they were, fulfilling their life's purpose. They realized something was missing. They realized that they didn't have God. They had eternity in their hearts just like everybody else did. Ecclesiastes 3.11. And until and unless we address that spiritual component of our existence, there will always be something missing. Now, some people may not know what that is. They may think that they just need to work more, get more money, or whatever. But until a person addresses that spiritual component that God placed within them, they will never fully reach their potential. And they will never fulfill what they were created to fulfill. But those who have found God, and those who have devoted their life, their existence to Him, find the greatest fulfillment and peace, and joy in life that can ever be had because that's the only place it's found. Alright? So, now let's think about that on a family level. How important is worship in our families? It, if, it's, if it's not that important, as evidenced by the fact that your, your, your habits in, in, in assembling 
are not consistent because it's not that important? All right, reassess. Find out why. All right, so worship is that important because that's why we were created. Now, all of that was introductory material, okay? Now let's get down to the lesson. The blessings of worshiping together as a family. This, these are in your handout. I stole these, borrowed these, uh, used these from uh, uh, Neil Pollard, a friend of mine that preaches in Denver, uh, Colorado. Some of you I know know who he is. Uh, this was from a lecture that he delivered a few years ago uh, that I thought was really, really good in the way he laid it out, so I thought I'll just lay out those points as well as he did. Here's what worship offers to our families. Number one, they offer standards. Worship offers standards in times of division. Worship gives us standards in times of division. Here's, here's what we mean by that. You know, preaching is a vital part of worship assemblies. Right? How shall they hear without a preacher? Romans 10, verse 14. Paul, Acts chapter 20, verse 7, passage that we often use to, uh, as, as it relates to the Lord's Supper, and rightly so, it's mentioned there. But preaching is also mentioned in that passage. It was a part of their assemblies. Paul would even instruct congregations to read in their assemblies uh, the letters that he had sent, Colossians 4, verse 16, Paul wrote to the church at Colossae and said, hey, give this letter to the church at Laodicea, have them read it, and you read the one that I sent to them. All right, and so in the preaching event, saints are equipped for faithful service, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. All right, so that's a part of our worship assemblies as God designed them. And so, when, when preaching happens in our worship assemblies, Christians are assisted, if you will, in being grounded in the faith through that consistent preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Paul would tell a preacher, Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 11, Timothy, remind the brethren of these things. These things teach and do, right? So a lot of the emphasis on reminding brethren of these things as a preacher of the gospel. Now what that does is that constant regular exposure to the Word of God gives us a solid anchor to which we can tie ourselves and not be swayed by every wind of doctrine. Ephesians 4 verse 14. And so by assembling with the saints, we offer our worship and our praise to God and in the process of doing that, also as a part of our assemblies, we have exhortation being given from the Word of God. And when you are in that arrangement in that environment consistent. You are being exposed every time to words from God that will help to ground you so that when division comes, when problems come, when issues arise, you, are, you will have created in that process a wellspring of valuable, helpful, divine information that can help to anchor your soul. That makes sense? It gives us standards in times of division. And sometimes families are divided because of relationships with, with God. Sometimes not everybody in the family is on board. Well, what do we need in situations like that where that kind of turmoil exists? We need standards. We need an anchor 
to hold us. And when all family members are pulling together, it makes us all that much stronger. The standards are there and they're stronger when everybody has agreed that we're going to do things God's way. Worship's a vital part of of grounding our families. Number two, worship gives us sureness or certainty in times of trial. It gives us certainty in times of trial. Difficult times are going to come. Our faith is going to be tested. Sometimes our faith will be tested by Satan who is seeking to destroy us in the process, but sometimes God will test our faith seeking to strengthen us because it's through the testing of our faith that good character traits are developed. Uh, And so, uh, obviously, our goal then is in those difficult times to be uh, faithful and loyal to God. Worship helps us do that. Worship helps to give us that which we need uh, to give us that certainty in times of trial. Worship develops uh, a faith that looks confidently to the future. Hebrews 11 describes faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Worship helps to develop that kind of faith, that kind of substance, that kind of confidence that buttresses our eternal uh, hopes. Worship develops a faith that's firmly convinced in the things we do not see. That's also Hebrews 11.1. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence or or the, the, the confidence, the confirmation of things not seen. You know, to be faithful, we must believe that God is, right? Hebrews eleven six. They that come to God must believe that He is. But we don't see Him. We don't see God. God is spirit, right? John four twenty four. So we don't we don't visibly see Him. But we know that He's there because of the evidence of His existence that He's left for us. It's like the creation. None of us saw the creation. We didn't see it happen when it happened. The writer of Hebrews says, By faith we know that the worlds were created. Hebrews 11, verse 3. But the evidence is so clear that it did happen that you'd be a fool to to deny it. So that's what our lives are about. Our lives are characterized by a well-founded confidence in things that we do not physically see. Worship regularly focuses our attention on those things, on those unseen things. God, the spiritual realm, the spiritual existence, heaven, hell. When we worship, our our attention is focused on things of a spiritual nature, things that we don't see. But our worship helps us to develop that confidence in those things that we don't see. Sometimes people give up the faith because it's not something they can see. Can't see God. Can't see heaven. Can't see a lot of these things. And so because they can't see it physically, it becomes less important to them. Well, worship, regular, consistent worship will help us to focus our attention on the things that we don't see and buttress and, and, and build up our faith in those things. You think your family needs that? Mine does. Worship helps us to establish that. Our, our families face a barrage 
of attacks on their faith every day by an adversary that seeks our destruction. But a faithfully worshiping family is not going to be immune to the difficulties of life, but consistently coming into the presence of God will offer our families greater comfort and assurance and hope than we could ever receive on our own. That's why it's important to worship. Number next. Worship gives us solace in times of sorrow. Comfort in times of sorrow. Sometimes we feel like Job, don't we? Beaten up by life. Uh, that life is full of trouble. Job 14, verse 1. Could be a lot of things that make us feel that way. Unfaithful children. Financial burdens. Death. All kinds of things can bring heartache into our lives. But families that worship together consistently can find the peace that lightens the load and eases the burden. When my dad died, he died uh, early on a Friday morning, uh, like like 3.30-ish early, woke us up in the night. The call did. And um, so pretty much the rest of that day, Friday, and then all day Saturday was spent, you know, doing the things you have to do. You have to make arrangements for, you know, for a funeral and, you know, you're receiving friends and family and, and um, uh, interacting with, with folks and all of that. Well, the, the funeral is actually set up pretty quickly. He died on a Friday morning. The funeral was set up for Sunday afternoon uh, between worship assemblies. Well, on Sunday morning, I got up, uh, was there at, at Mom and Daddy's house, and, um, <clears throat> you know, it had been a rough couple of days. I didn't know, you know, kind of how, what, what Mama's state was. So I just asked her, I said, how you doing? You know, I, I mean, you know, what are you, what are you going to do this morning, Sunday morning? And, uh, you know, did, did she feel like going to worship? You know, I look back on it now and think, silly me. But her response to me was, uh, she looked at me lovingly, but also looked at me as if I had grown a third eye. <laughs> and she said, she said, my, my place is with the church. It was, it was almost as if she didn't understand why I even asked her the question. My place is with the church. And so we, we went to worship that morning. And, and had the service in the same building that, that afternoon and went to worship at 6 o'clock that night in the same building. Now, I don't, I don't say that in any, to, to, in any way to be boastful, but that, that was just a part of who we were and who, who, and who we are. And it was because of, of, of that consistency that was, had been a part of our lives for so long, it was just, that's just where we needed to be. We were going to find comfort in that time of sorrow by being with the saints. That's what worshiping families have. That, that families who don't understand worship and who don't put their everything into their worship when they're here, they don't get it. That, they don't understand it. And it shows in their lives by 
half-hearted devotion. And it, 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 you know, it, it, it frustrates me at times, but it also saddens me because when I see people who, who, who don't get it yet, they haven't picked it up, they, ha- they haven't come to understand it, and they're only hurting themselves. That's what's so tragic about it. Because they would get the benefit from it if they would put everything into their own purpose for living to seek God. All right, last. Got a couple of minutes. Worshiping families find opportunities for service. They find service in times of opportunity. Families that place a high priority on drawing closer to God show that they're interested in the well-being of others, right? Let us consider one another how to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So there's, there's, there's not only a Godward focus, and that's obviously the main focus for our assemblies, but in the process of, of making a Godward focus, we gain personal benefit and we're able to help those that are around us. Alright, so we find opportunities for service when we're worshiping families. Now, I understand, and so please hear me well. Announcements are not worship as such, right? Announcements are not technically worship, but we do take opportunities when we are assembled for worship to make announcements about the congregation. In that time, we're given opportunities to put our faith to work. Sometimes we just, you know, sometimes maybe we just clue, just, just kind of zone out during the announcements. Maybe we should look at them more as opportunities for service. That here, here are things that we're being informed about that give us opportunities to put our faith to work. To take everything that we have benefited from in our worship to, to, and, and, and to plug those things into opportunities to serve and help others. We had time, I was going to walk us through the bulletin this morning and look at it. All right, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to put your faith to work. But you can do that on your own, and I encourage you to do that, for example. So my point, hopefully, today, I hope we all get it, is our families, my family, your family, needs worship. Thank you much.